You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to another edition of the Pathway to Peace show here on the Voice of Islam Radio. A show where we take an analytical look at how we can achieve peace, whether that be political peace, economic peace, societal peace, or inner peace. In today's show, we'll be taking a closer look at the groundbreaking address by Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmad, may God strengthen his hand, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, at the occasion of the annual convention, or Jalsa Salana, held in Germany earlier this year in August. The event in Germany was attended in person by nearly 20,000 people, and His Holiness presided over the concluding session virtually from the Masroor Hall in Tilford, Surrey, in the UK. His Holiness describes the world in crisis and on the precipice of a global catastrophe and outlines the lasting solutions to finding real peace. Joining me as always here in the studio is my co-host Sufyan Faruqi. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you, Sufyan. As we're approaching the end of 2022, what are some of the events in 2022 that you feel affected world peace? Welcome, Salam RF. Peace be upon you as well, and to our listeners here on the Voice of Islam. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, you know, this is a question that you're asking me a month earlier than you should. We normally talk about this in January, uh, but in reflecting on 2022, as we approach the holidays and the end of uh, 2022, I mean, it's, it feels like RF. We always start the year out quite optimistically, yeah. and each and every year, each and every time. Over the last few years, unfortunately, it hasn't turned out to be as optimistic as we hoped. I mean, and obviously we don't want to be doom and gloom here mm. on the Pathway to Peace show because there is hope and His Holiness is, is giving us that hope. And this address that we're going to analyze here today is going to kind of shed light on that more. But when you look at the world situation today, or if we mean we see the war in Russia and Ukraine at the beginning of the year, there, there was no war. Yeah. So that's already a minus one there. Then we had, we're coming out of COVID. We were like, okay, things are going to get better now. And we've hit this global recession where side effects from the pandemic or whatever you want to call it, or just the cycle, the financial cycle that we go through, we saw it in, in 2008 and, and, and we're heading towards another recession over the next couple of years as the analysts are predicting. So that's another minus or minus two. Uh, and then we have the energy crisis, which some blame on Russia and Ukraine. Uh, I have other views. Maybe we'll discuss those at another time. But uh, the cost of living is just, just going up, yeah. and uh, people are feeling the pinch more so now than ever before, especially here in the UK. I don't think people across the pond are struggling that much with energy because, I mean, you look at the size of, of the U.S., and they have the ability to generate their own energy for the most part if they need to, and that is exactly what they're doing. Whereas here in Europe, we are more reliant on resources in Eastern Europe and uh, our our partnership when it comes to trade of, of resources and goods with Russia. And, you know, everybody just seems to be becoming more selfish uh, at the end of the day. Everyone's looking out for number one themselves. And uh, whether you apply that at a micro level and look at an individual family, uh, because the bills are going high, people are spending less, uh, you know, we're, we're not as willing to 
you know, maybe do something that we would, something nice for someone else because we're worried about, okay, if we do this and we spend the money here, how are we going to pay our bills next month? So people are worried about that. At a macro level, we're worried about between countries. Countries are fighting between resources. I made mention of the United States and them being able to produce their own energy, but how likely are they to share that energy with, uh, and how would they even get that energy over to uh, a more needy country, maybe in Africa or in, in the Middle East, uh, that would need that energy? And would they be willing to trade uh, those uh, resources with with these um, less developed countries that that need them? And I think we're going to talk about a lot of these issues as as we go through this historic groundbreaking address uh, of His Holiness that was delivered Earlier this year, 2022, at the closing session of the annual convention of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in Germany. It's a very, very comprehensive summary there, Sofian. Thank you very much for like walking us through that. I think um, you're right. There's, there's the, all these multiple things at play. And I think if, if me and you were to reflect last year or even two, three, four, five years ago, we were talking about war. There were pockets of yeah. conflict, for example, Syria. But the difference with the Ukraine war is that the forming of blocks. So it feels like not just the forming of blocks, we had that before, but the very active support of these wars. So the you know, the NATO nations providing support or many Western nations providing direct military support for Ukraine. Yeah. Um and you know and Ukraine directly fighting with Russian troops. That that feels like an escalation and to something we haven't had before and I think we'll get onto that as well in the, as we look at the uh, speech because His Holiness talks about how he's been talking about this theme for many years and now analysts are actually talking about you know are we heading yeah. towards global war and it's something that may have been unthinkable just a few years ago and he may have been called out people were almost saying he was maybe being pessimistic but actually it's been proven out and yeah. you know, sadly we're seeing you know just how precarious situation is today. And you mentioned you mentioned Syria there, RF. I mean, if we think about Syria now, nobody's really talking about it. Yep. I mean, it's it's weird in in a sense because that country's still in turmoil. You know, they haven't rebuilt. They're not back to normal by any stretch of the imagination. And yet, and I know His Holiness talks about this as well, and we're going to get into this in, a little later on. But just to think about how 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 Syria has been totally forgotten. And when when the Syrian war was was going on, the conflict in Syria was going on. Everybody was almost like, "Oh, that's over there. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't affect us, right?" But now, because Ukraine is involved, and because it's a part of Eastern Europe, yep. and it's on the border of Europe, now all of a sudden, everybody's attention is is, is heightened, and they're watching this conflict much more closely, and. I invite you, our listener, to think about kind of the contradiction there. When when something's happening and it's directly impacting you, how you perceive that threat versus when something's just happening over there, for example, Syria, uh, and how we perceive perceive the Syrian war versus how we're perceiving the Ukrainian conflict. That's something that that I want you are listener to keep in mind as we as we talk about uh, this address and get more into detail about uh, what his holiness said about the conflict as well it's the same with the treatment of the refugees as well i think the, you know there were a, it's something that was highlighted by some commentators yeah. to say you know the kind of very clear open door policy in terms of ukrainian refugees some people were calling out well actually when we had syrian refugees on our doorstep were we as yeah. open 
you know, um, at that time as well. Were they, but were there more pockets of people saying, well, actually, I'm not sure we should take them on board as well. So I yeah. know people even in my own local community um, who, you know, said, well, I fully support us bringing on Ukrainian refugees, absolutely. But what about what about those who are from? Where was where was that policy for other mm. other things? And this was a local community group, and that made this point. But it's interesting this kind of yeah. like the way things are perceived when they are seen as maybe closer to home, or whether the people sometimes on the news, if they look more like y- yourself, then you tend to have a different viewpoint in terms of how compassionate you are to them sometimes as well. Yeah, and th- these are points that actually I talked about in His Holiness's speech. He specifically talked about how, you know, the w- uh, previously Western nations, other nations may have seen these the war and conflict as a distant issue in another mm. land affecting uh, you know other people. But now with the war and the conflict in Ukraine, suddenly it feels a lot closer to home. And he also highlighted the forming of blocks in terms of the Ukraine conflict. It's not just one, or it's just not Ukraine and Russia fighting. It's also, the countries of NATO supporting Ukraine because they are, you know, concerned around their own security and also to try and help the help that nation. But that's a more dangerous situation, um, you know, that, that has the potential. You know, how at what point? I had this question as well. Maybe it's a question to you. Sophia, at what point does it become a world war? Because if there are countries forming on either side and each are providing arms and weapons to one side of the conflict. Even if it's just two countries maybe fighting, if other countries are supporting those countries, yeah. doesn't it start to become a world conflict anyway? Yeah, and I mean, this is exactly what His Holiness has been saying. Uh, oftentimes people ask him, and even the youth have asked him, small children ask him, like, are we in World War Three? And His right. Holiness's response is, yes, this is the start of essentially a global war at what point will it be actually labeled a world war that has yet to be seen i mean i'm not old enough to remember world war ii <laughs> so i don't know if world war ii is called world war ii and it was actually taking place or even world war one for that matter but um yeah it's a it's a it's a great question i think once more people are once more countries are become directly involved and you could make the argument that because this is almost becoming NATO versus Russia, and NATO is a, a a wide range of countries that are part of part of that alliance. So you could argue that that yeah, we are. And and recently we have seen uh, explosions happening in Poland, and who was to blame for that? And yeah. there was a, a big story around that. So so some said that you know that was a direct attack on NATO, but then further investigations revealed something else. Um, and recently. Or if I don't know what the conclusion was, but there was some some uh, blast that went off in Moscow, even um, with some factories. So, I mean, we're not we're not far off, unfortunately. You know, it'll only take one thing. And if you think back to history and you think back of what was the trigger that that started World War One, I, I believe it was like an assassination of yep. sorts, right? Yep. Uh, one assassination and and everything kind of let loose. So I think on the evening when that Poland thing came up the world was on edge it was the world was really on edge yep. as far as like what's going to happen now are all the nato countries going to go and defend uh, poland if it happens to be russia that that conducted that attack and what was going to happen uh, and i think that's that's kind of been the closest so far that we've gotten to an all-out war but i think once what i hope this doesn't happen but if if the case comes where 
you know, countries are throwing bombs back and forth at each other, yep. I think at that point, There's it'll no be debate. a full-out war. Yeah. And just to add to the, the, the global macro world challenges that we're talking about here, another flashpoint or another area where there is elevated tensions right now is Taiwan mm. and their relationship with China. Uh, and, you know, this uh, the island of Taiwan, is it China still sees it as part of its, you know, one China policy where it's all one country and they see it as part of China. Taiwan sees it as independent. And we had the uh, the U.S. Senator Nancy Pelosi visiting Taiwan, yeah. uh, you know, a few a few months ago, that caused an escalation in tensions there as well. And you know, there's that's another potential flashpoint is what happens to Taiwan because the U.S. has very clearly backed Taiwan for a long yeah. time now. So you know, if there was some action taken, you know, the U.S. would probably defend, try to defend it in some way. And that can there's yeah. another then fault line or boundary uh, drawn in terms of conflict. And don't forget about North Korea, who. Yep. Thrive. It seems like they thrive on attention, Arf. I don't know what you think about them, but every time the world is talking about Russia or Taiwan or China, uh, the the president of North Korea just decides to launch a ballistic missile for testing purposes. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, that's another area that's cause for concern. Definitely, that hasn't. Yeah, that concern hasn't gone away. Do you remember during COVID there was a, there was yeah. some theories about whether he had potentially died and or not? But no, he's uh, he has made public appearances since. And you're absolutely right. North Korea, South Korea. Again, that's a, I guess that's a conflict that's been around for a long time, but it's one that hasn't gone away. And we, yeah. in fact, I think the very first show, uh, the very first show I did on the Pathway to Peace show, maybe six more years ago, was on that conflict in North Korea mm. and South Korea. Actually, I'm just remembering now, and you know that situation has it's de-escalated. Yeah, but it, but at the time it was President Trump. Um, exchanging words or tweets or um, whatever yeah. it was with the, the president of North Korea. But now it's still there's still tension there. So the world is very much on edge. And I think that His Holiness basically, um, you know, he brought our attention to a, a quote of the Promise Messiah, Sophia, which I think you were going to share with us. Yeah, this quote is uh, a scary one, to say the least. Uh, the Promise Messiah said, Oh, Europe, you are not safe. O Asia, neither are you secure. And O the dwellers of the islands, no false gods will come to your aid. I see cities falling and habitations in ruin. And this is from a book, The Philosophy of Divine Revelations, uh, page 328. Now this is uh, a revelation that the Promised Messiah is communicating to his followers. Um that he received and they did that he actually uh saw in a sense that these cities and the world will will face a global destruction not just once but multiple times and this was kind of a description of that dis destruction and basically in this passage it basically communicates that nothing is safe no area of the world is safe. If you think you can run and hide on a on a remote island somewhere, then uh, the the Messiah of the time is saying that even the dwellers of the island are are not safe. So it's a very very scary uh, thought to to even envisage and imagine, and cities falling and habitations falling into ruin. I mean, I hope we're not around to see this level of destruction. But uh, the way the world is going currently with the nuclear threats being thrown back and forth between various countries, uh, it's, it seems more and more realistic. Yeah, yeah. And let's not forget, this 
He, uh, the, the Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, peace be upon him, the founder of the Ahmadiyya community, who claimed to be a prophet of God and you know, the Messiah of this time, who founded our community, he made these this uh, predictions, um, you know, at the start of the 20th century. And, you know, that was a century, the 1900s was, was a century when we saw two world wars. And it's interesting he mentions Europe because, you know, mm. Europe was at the center of, you know, a couple of those. And also... Uh, don't forget, you know, the, the end of the Second World War with the dropping of the nuclear bomb on Japan. Uh, Asia is mentioned next, actually, in this revelation. Oh, Asia, neither are you secure as well. So it's interesting around just the wording of this. And yes, unfortunately, perpetually, there is, you know, prophecies around a, a, a third world war as well in terms of, um, you know, something of which the likes we've never seen before, which have echoes and for us. Uh, you know, of sounding like it will be something potentially nuclear. And it's something that His Holiness, Hazrat Masrur Ahmad, the, the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya community, God's strength in his hand, has, has talked about continually in terms of the risk of the Third World War. Ever since he was elected to the position or caliph for the community, um, in 2003, he's been writing letters to world leaders. He's been holding these, uh, in, these uh, annual peace symposium and constantly talking and warning people about the, the risk of World War Three. Yeah, and even in this speech, he men- made mention of that. He made mention of one in particular, um, of a speech that he gave in the U.S. Uh, may not have been fully related to the the war, but uh, but His Holiness, since like you said, since the time he's been elected uh, to the station of Caliph, he has been warning the world. And and you know, in hindsight, with twenty twenty hindsight, Arif, it almost feels like the peace symposiums that we have on an annual basis. His Holiness, and again, this is hindsight and just kind of analyzing things, looking back. It almost feels like the peace symposium was set up so as a forum, so His Holiness could warn the world. Yeah, because it was at those in those speeches in particular where His Holiness really focused on matters that are that are facing the world in the here and now and how to get back to that pathway to peace and he on top of that every world government that he's addressed he's been to Canada US uh here in the UK Australia New Zealand you name it his holiness has been there and everywhere he goes and the, and the most the, the most inspiring one that comes to mind right now or if is the one in Japan because he talked to the Japanese people about being the role model, an example, because they are the only ones that can talk from experience about what it's like to live through a nuclear holocaust of sorts. Because they were, the, the, they're the only country in the world that has actually been affected by a nuclear war. So His Holiness gave a speech in Japan, uh, and and it really was an inspirational speech to the Japanese people to say that it is your duty and your responsibility to communicate to the rest of the world what the impact of a nuclear war would be. Uh, but His Holiness has been doing that that across the world, uh, and I don't think the message is going to stop until people pay heed to the message that was given in this, this speech that we're looking at on, on this show in coming back to their true creator, their one God, and uh, following... Uh, the teachings that have been set out of justice uh, to establish peace in the world. You are listening to the Pathway to Peace show here on the Voice of Islam radio. Be sure to follow us at Voice of Islam UK on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Use the hashtag VOIPeace to send us your thoughts. That's VOI for Voice of Islam and Peace. 
So um, as you've summed up very well there, Sophia, yes, there are, there are multiple challenges across the world. There are, uh, His Holiness has been very consistent in, in taking that message far and wide across the globe. And um, in this speech that we're looking at as well, the second section after he painted that picture of how precarious the situation is for the world, he started to talk about the establishment of peace and the principles for establishing peace. However, the way he began this, I found this fascinating. I found this as... You know, he must be, he has to, each time he talks about this topic, he has to find a fresh angle to it as well. And I mm. feel like, you know, he, if there was something that I really gained from this speech, which was this idea that actually trying to establish peace can have the opposite effect. Trying to, uh, the desire for peace can actually cause disorder. Uh, and the way he explained this was that if someone wants peace, it tends to be they want peace for themselves. They yeah. want peace for themselves, for their household, their family, maybe. Um, you know, maybe it's for their region, their area, their country. Um, you know, but it tends to be, I want it for my particular group or area, and I want it. And what tends to happen is to get there, it's normally peace for you at the cost of peace, you know, lack of peace for someone else. So whether it's peace, good health, or wealth, it tends to be a selfish desire that actually comes at the cost of someone else's good fortune or peace. That, for me, was a fascinating concept. Yeah, it, it is very fascinating because when you think about wanting peace and you think, okay, if I'm in peace, that's all that matters. That's that's kind of the, the the first thing that comes to your mind, right? As long as it doesn't impact me. And this is exactly why at the beginning I was, I was alluding to this kind of almost contradiction to the way that Syria was treated and the conflict in Syria was treated to the way the conflict in Ukraine is, is being treated as well. Because... You know, at the time when Syria was was taking place, nobody really cared. Oh, that war is over there; it doesn't affect us. Uh, but as long as they were in peace, as long as it wasn't affecting Europe, or America, or Canada, or or any country that the West cared about, it it was okay. Okay, we're in peace. That's fine. Leave them to their business. But now that it's affecting us and it's on the borders of Europe, now all of a sudden everybody's concerned. So this is exactly what His Holiness is saying when he's saying that it des- your your desire for peace for yourself is one thing, but if you don't desire that same peace for your your enemies, yeah. then there's no way you're going to get world peace because if, if, if you want true world peace, then the whole world has to be at peace. It can't be that the West, West doesn't have a war, so there's world peace, and, but the East does. Then that's not world peace. It's just peace in the West, but not peace in the East. Uh, so you need you need it's almost like you can't have your cake you need it too right you have to have both um, so his holiness really did flip this on its head and and when he first said it it was like you huh, almost made you pause and think wait a minute how can my desire for wanting peace lead to destruction yeah but it leads to destruction if you're taking advantage of someone else to achieve that peace and it's also leading to destruction is if if you're only thinking about yourself and your own interests, then you're not looking out for for other people. So you could be living in a bubble and the rest of the world could be blowing up all around you and you you wouldn't pay attention to it. And what kind of peace is that? Exactly. And or or you would be so focused on trying to get, you know, a peaceful area or a home or, or situation for your family that you would go you would infringe the rights of others to do that you would maybe trample on them to mm. try and get you know to where you want to do what what you're trying to establish for your friends and your family and or your nation or your city um 
So yeah, it's it's a very interesting uh, a very interesting concept about if your intention and your focus is just you or your or, or is very narrow. Yeah. That's not true peace. Yeah, that's only in one small pocket, one area. Yeah, there's actually a quote here that I had marked in the in the speech itself, which is available actually for everyone to read transcript and all. Uh, it's uh, on the Review of Religions website at www.reviewofreligions.org. But as you mentioned intention there, I want to read uh, a passage from, from the speech itself. His Holiness said, the speech was in Urdu, and this is an English kind of summary and translation of the speech presented in the Review of Religions. It says, certainly if one's intentions are not right, then they can do nothing right. If one's intentions are not pure, then how can there be any blessing in one's work? Until one's intentions are pure, it is not possible to do anything. All the fighting and disorder in the world today are because people's intentions are not pure. Whatever people say does not align with their actual desires. Likewise, their desires are not in alignment with their words and actions. So when you mentioned intentions there, you know, His Holiness says it simple and straightforward. Yep. If one's intentions are not right, then there's nothing, then then they can do nothing right. So it all starts with your intention. And now, now you can argue that the intention is good, but then the actions also have to follow it. And what we're finding today and what His Holiness also talked about in this address delivered at the conclusion of the Germany uh, annual convention 2022 is that you you want for your, for others what you want for yourself yeah, yeah so but in practical terms Arif, here's a, here's a question it's it, it's very hard to do you know when you really think about it oh absolutely how can we take this philosophy of okay what you want for yourself you want for others and get rid of the selfishness what what can we practically do to get there? It's very difficult. Uh, here's a thought for you because um, I know me and you have sort of similar professional backgrounds. So I think in the management world, in the world of yeah. business, how many times have you heard people say the best managers or the most successful ones are not the ones who are promoting or pushing themselves, but the ones who elevate their team? Yeah. And it's funny how we've, in, in a worldly sense, in the world of work, everyone's accepted that. That's the smart way of doing it. Mm. But in the world of, you know, gaining wealth or establishing your society, how many of us are saying, you know, even in the spiritual world, we're very familiar with this concept of try to elevate your status. But also, if you see your brother falling, try and help them up, try and move forward, vie with each other in good works. But everyone trying to help each other. But then in terms of establishing peace, it's probably, you know, societally, do we really think about that? Do we really think about how can I help those, you know, in a few roads from me or in another area how, or that community? How can I help raise them up? How can I help there be peace in that group? Often we don't. Often we cut ourselves off. Yeah. And this concept of us and the other, oh, but it's us and they're different. You know, that gets in the way, I think, of this kind of thinking. Um, and it's like, you know, it's very easy to fall into this kind of race where everyone is just trying to look out for themselves. Um and it's very easy to, to, to not think this way and wanting for others what you want for yourself is very difficult. But then in the world of work, we see the benefit of doing that. As soon as you have a leader who is elevating the others around him or her instead of elevating themselves, it makes a much better working environment. You know, it's, yeah. it's a, it has multiple benefits, but it's interesting how we don't maybe apply that to the society around yeah. us. So does it mean then, <laughs> I'm just kind of, 
shooting questions at you, left, right, and center, uh, trying to make this more practical, more tangible sure. for people. We should. should we be those type? Should we be the type of person that's like offering to pay our neighbor's bills? In this situation, in some ways, yeah. I mean, let's that might sound extreme. Right? Yeah. Let's just wind that back a little bit. If we see our neighbor struggling, yeah, right, then that's basic humanity. Let's say you were to see your neighbor upset or crying, right? The yeah. first step is saying, Is everything okay? Right. Are you okay? So, we'll give a silly example on the way here just today, as I was saying, before I left the house, I saw my neighbor yeah. and I just said, Hello. How are you doing? And the first thing he said was, oh, uh, we don't have a boiler at the moment. We're having an issue with our, our gas in our house yeah. because there's a leak. So this, the first step is having a conversation, asking them how they are. Right. Then the next step would be like offering some kind of help or assistance. So, yeah, you, what you've said about paying their bills might sound extreme. Right. But, you know, there are there are schemes within communities to help you. Think of food banks. Yeah, that, that is mm-hmm. what food banks are about. So, yeah, I would say that is exactly what, you know, uh, it's very much in line with Islamic teaching. And in fact, we're in the uh, the battle for through mosque here as well. I know that the uh, the community is also looking at food banks and offering food for those who are struggling uh, mm. at the moment. So actually, it might seem extreme, but the the steps leading to it can be maybe seem less extreme. Just asking how others are and and trying to help if if you see any gaps in you know in them. And if they are following the same philosophy, they'd say the same to you, right? They'll check on you and and, and check how you are and if you have any needs as well. So it does lead to a a better, more peaceful society as well. Yeah. So peace breeds more peace. And Absolutely. then as that goes wider and wider, that's what His Holiness is trying to get to is that apex of, you know, everybody's looking out for each other. And if we take that from from your family to your neighbor, expand it to 10 neighbors, expand it to your, your neighborhood, your country, now all of a sudden, now we're really trying, starting to see the results of, of achieving real world peace. Now there's another passage here, RF, that His Holiness mentions uh, about true peace. And he went on to say that true peace can only be established when it is established beyond personal, filial, ancestral, national, and patriotic preferences. And in order to establish a central axis, this can only be achieved when one understands and develops the realization that there is a creator being over them which desires peace not only for them, but desires peace for all nations, that desires peace not only for their homes and countries, but desires peace for all countries. Now, Arif, this is, a, this is a, an also a very interesting passage where yeah. His Holiness is bringing the idea of a belief in God as something that is fundamental to achieving peace. How how is that possible? He starts off by saying that it's about expanding your view. So initially when you're looking at just your own narrow world or maybe your family or your friends or your community, that's one view, but you need to expand that view. So he talks about there about how understanding, you know, that that there is one God for all of us. Uh, you know, that is the trigger if you like. That's the secret to be able to expand your sphere of influence and who you care about, I guess, going beyond just those people saying, actually, we're all creation of God, um, you know, and, and all of, if there's one true God who is basically the creator of, of all of us, then, you know, we need to then treat everyone equally because they're all part of his creation. And if we love the creator, we must love his creation. Uh, and that's the kind of the way in this speech is holiness made that link between the broadening of the scope of peace to not just be 
selfish, not just be about yourself, broadening it out and then linking it to God realization. Um, and it's interesting for me when, when you start hearing that language about there is one God, all creation is part of that creator is being created by him. It sounds very religious and prophetic. And, you know, the words mm. of the prophets, like Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, or Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. It starts to get that elevated level. And that's when you realize, because that's what the prophets were all about, right? They were all about the the much bigger picture because they were there. Their message was not just for a few people. It was often to a whole community or, or even broader. I mean, the, the case of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to the whole world. Um, so that is... It's that's almost the secret. That's the the change in mentality to uh, to kind of realize that your responsibility, if you like, is extends far beyond just this area because God, who's telling you what to do, He's God for all of mankind, and so you need to extend it. In in fact, even you know He's the God of the you know animals as well as humans Ooh. as well. So there's rights to, for animals as well. So so Arif, I'm an atheist in God's world. I'm an atheist in God's world. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. And I'm all for peace. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hippie, right? But I'm an atheist. So how will believing in God help me achieve my, my desire of world peace? So you can desire. You can have a desire for peace. And in fact, you talking about you know the movement, the hippie movement is a good option, yeah. right? The principles there are of, of love and peace, which are to be commended. But the the thing that is being you're missing there is then the connection, an actual connection to God. Mm. Now there's different ways of reaching God. There's different philosophies, etc. So that the part of that that should be commended is the idea of wanting to establish peace. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But then how do you go about it? If you are, if that is your background, you don't believe in God, and you know you are, but you want to establish peace, you start to look for the answers to these big questions in through worldly powers or governments. Mm-hmm. Or maybe your own thinking, you want to try and understand in your own mind, what are the things that everyone should do to allow, to establish peace? And you've had villages, you've had communities that have yeah. tried to do this, right? They've tried to give up, you know, materialism and, and go and live in a certain way. Or they've had, you know, think of like communities in the United States, right? Um, the Quakers and some of these other communities that try and live a certain way. But the thing, the, the challenge there is the, the rules are only as good as the people who are creating them. If they're man-made rules chances are there's going to be issues and problems with these rules. Mm-hmm. If there's humans involved always, you know, are these rules being fairly uh, you know, implemented in a fair way? Whereas if, and it's, I'm glad you brought this up because it's the, the next key topic in the, His Holiness's speech is actually to establish peace. Where do you look? What rules do you look to implement? Mm-hmm. And that's where he states, makes the argument that it's actually, you need to look at God's laws because God has said in, in um, you know, the Holy Quran, he's talked about how the establishment of peace is a key you know, principle in the Holy Quran of why the teaching of Islam was even, uh, even brought down. And I'll, I'll just bring that up now as, uh, as you mentioned it. So there's a quote from the Holy Quran, chapter 5, verses 16 to 17. It says, there has come to you indeed from Allah a light and a clear book. Thereby does Allah guide those who seek his pleasure on the paths of peace, end quote. So that would be the answer would be, well, actually, there's this divine book that has a secret code or not even secret, has a clear code within it, a set of rules, a set of guidance, full of wisdom um, that, you know, as Muslims, we believe is direct revelation from God. Um, all around how to establish peace. 
Yeah. So, you know, even if you are a non-believer and an atheist, maybe have a look at this book and see, actually, does this contain some rules, principles and guidance that actually I think make a lot of sense and I might want to adopt anyway, um, you know, because there's a lot of wisdom and, you know, in this text. Yeah. And there was also another verse, the, the second verse, if you count, uh, in the name of Allah, the gracious, the merciful, then there's Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, I'm our... our um, Lord, Lord of all the worlds is referenced, and and it's just a reminder that you know there is a supreme Creator, and that He is Lord of all the worlds. And His Holiness yep. elaborates on this as well, saying that He is the Lord of uh, the Christians, the Jews, um, and all denominations and tribes and subtribes in in the world. And when you have have that in your view, in your constant view, that that you know as you mentioned earlier if you love the creator you have to love the creation if if these are all god's god's gifts to us uh for lack of a better term then it is our duty to serve uh the the creation uh as well and to the best of our ability and then that extends to like you mentioned earlier the animal kingdom and even plants yeah, and that, that's, uh, I'd like to dwell on that a little bit more then. So you're right. So every, because if you think about the number of times a Muslim reads those words, yeah. it's, uh, you know, every unit of the Islamic prayer contains uh, that verse, the first mm-hmm. verse of Muslims recite the first chapter of the Holy Quran um, multiple times a day, um, over 30 times a day. And be- the, like you just said, after starting within the name of uh, God, the gracious, the merciful, the first verse is literally all praise belongs to Allah, Lord of all the worlds. Um, and the emphasis there is that, you know, there may be words, other worlds out there that we're not even aware of. So it does say all worlds, plural, mm. but also the fact that, as you said, it is about not just your area, it's not your community. It's about recognizing that there's this one ultimate creator. Um, and, you know, His Holiness went on to explain as well that you can't love all of creation he mentions this he came back to this point as well he said mm-hmm. like you know that if you believe that this is the one true god who like you said sufyan is the you know the god of the christians the hindus and jews jews and those of no religion if every, if it's one creator you know and and you love that creator and you ask you know you state all praise belongs to the ultimate creator you can't have that feeling and then at the same time you know, want the destruction or the annihilation of a people or have any kind of like hatred uh, towards them. And that's, it's being referenced because you get, you know, um, some people associate Islam with terrorism and people who are very much hate the Western world. And like, you know, some uh, Muslim extremists or terrorists, they'll say, you know, we want death to the West and these kind of statements. So Holiness is saying that's impossible to harbor true understanding and belief in Islam and the God of Islam. And at the same time, harbor feelings such as that because you know we all are God's creation, and you know we have, uh, you know, there's we love the creation because we love the Creator. Yeah, he specifically mentioned Arif as well, His Holiness, uh, the Fifth Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community. He talked about at one point in the in the address about the state of the Muslim world as well. Yeah, and 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 saying directly that, you know, like we talked about earlier, you have to uh, follow follow the rules that are set out by the the supreme creator and if we believe as muslims that the quran is that source of divine knowledge that that it is the duty of all muslims whether they belong to Ahmadiyya muslim community or not because we read the same same holy book the holy quran that it's the duty of all muslims to make sure they're following those commandments yeah. and if they're not 
then there's a contradiction. And the contradiction isn't in the, the Holy Quran. The contradiction is in the actions of what the people are doing. Uh, so, so he drew, drew quite a bit of attention to, to the Muslim world yep. and basically putting the Muslims in check and saying that, you know, you have to make sure that you are following and adhering to the, the commandments laid out in the divine source of truth as Muslims that we believe to be the Quran. And if you're not, then, then are you really following uh, the true teachings of Islam? And let's talk about the Holy Quran a little bit as well, because I, I would welcome our listeners to, you know, invite our listeners to have a read of the Quran, because it's even in its style and approach is very different to other scriptures. If you think about the the New Testament, for example, that's very much a story led. You know, it's an account of the life of Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, and what he did and where he went and how he how he interacted. But the Holy Quran is written from the first person of God himself. So the verses of them carry a different kind of weight. And when it's prescribing laws and rules and things, it's done in a very different, a very specific way. And, you know, I, I think uh, I'd welcome or you know, invite all of our listeners to take a, a listen to that and read it. They can see if they were to go to the um, Al-Islam website, that's www alislam.org a-l-i-s-l-a-m.org they can see the Holy Quran is, is available there in different translations as well for them to take a look at and His Holiness spoke about the Holy Quran and it's, it's you know its position its unique position here he said from the speech he said and I'll quote thus Allah the Almighty has sent the light of guidance a book containing all the commandments which consist of clear guidance that leads to peace now only those who follow it completely will remain in peace it is evident that the manner in which Muslims today are in a state of disorder, strife and internal conflict is because they're not properly following the book and the light sent by Allah the Almighty. Whilst they claim they are devoted to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, their actions stand in contrast to this. The words of Allah can never be wrong and the statement of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, can never be incorrect. The reason for the discord and disharmony amongst Muslims is because whilst they claim to follow this clear book, they do not follow the teachings Allah the Almighty has revealed within it. They claim to love the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, but they fail to act on his teachings and his practice, end quote. So that was in line with what you were just highlighting there, Sufyan, um, in terms of the, the broader, you know, the Muslims, the state of the Muslims at the moment. Um, and I also want to just raise, read a quote from the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mizahullah Ahmad. He says, now under the heaven, there is only one prophet and only one book, namely the holy prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, who is higher and greater than all prophets and more perfect and consummate than all messengers and the seal of the prophets and the best of all humanity, by following whom God Almighty can be found and the veils of darkness are lifted and, in this very world, the signs of having achieved salvation make their appearance. And the Holy Quran is the book which contains the truth and perfect guidance through which one can acquire true knowledge and cognizance and the heart can be purified of all impurities and a human can be saved from the veils of ignorance, heedlessness and doubt to enable him to attain the stage of certainty of faith. So that, that was a quote from the Boris Messiah then around you know, the importance of how the Holy Quran plays such a clear and key part you know, in the uh, in the establishment of peace and in providing, you know, knowledge and uh, guidance and lifting the veils of ignorance, as is mentioned, you know, across all of uh, all of the way we live our lives, really. So that is the real gift that the Holy Quran is. It provides this perfect teaching 
uh, and it's something that's accessible, so accessible to people today. We have it in our pockets on on mobile phones and things like that. And it's a you know it's a, a text that hasn't changed since its first was revealed, you know, over fourteen hundred years ago as well. Yeah, it's uh, amazing to see how His Holiness also went in order uh, that we're taught as Muslims when we're we're analyzing or or looking at you know how should we follow the teachings we're taught as muslims that number 1 it's always the holy quran and the number 2 is always the example of the holy prophet and his holiness highlighted here in that exact same order that that first you know look at first he drew attention to the holy quran then secondly he drew attention to uh the the prophet muhammad peace and blessings of god be upon him uh and it's it's really interesting arif when you, when you think about peace on the surface and you think about you know what examples can we turn to and yeah there may be certain instances that you can look at in other prophets lives that kind of give you bits and pieces of ways to establish peace but when you when you look at the life of the holy prophet muhammad peace and blessings of god be upon him what we see is a a young child who's orphaned very early on uh went on had had a fairly normal life he got married had children whatnot but then later on in life he also had a chance to be a ruler yeah. and so he not only demonstrated in his life the the micro level of establishing peace within your home and in as a as a child and and your relationship with your parents and then becoming a father himself being a father to your children and establishing that that home but then becoming a ruler uh of a of a nation uh so to say he demonstrated of how to be a just ruler as well so you have both the micro micro peace and the macro peace in one person the holy prophet muhammad peace and blessings of god be upon him f- as a living example in this world that anybody can look at uh whereas you can get tidbits from other prophets as well but you also you have almost a comprehensive picture in the life of the prophet muhammad as well and let's compare and contrast some examples of different prophets so um if you think about the time that Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, was was on the cross, one of the things he's reported to have said is, um, you know, even as he's being, you know, even as they're attempting to kill him, was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Mm. So that is a, a wonderful example of bringing forgiveness to people who are literally trying to kill, trying to kill you. Um, but what's interesting with the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, is that not only did he have this feeling about not wanting to seek revenge on others? But there was a, a very famous incident in his life where he had the power to actually bring about, you know, retribution or or, or punishment on a people that had turned him out. You know, he, so not only was it just the thought of his heart, but he actually had, if he wanted to, he could have done that. Mm. And that was the occasion of when, uh, you know, the the conquering of Mecca. So. Uh, the story for those who are unfamiliar was that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, f- suffered persecution in Mecca for for multiple years, nearly two decades. And it came to a point where, you know, he was being tortured. The Muslims were suffering so much that they were forced to migrate to another land, to the, the city of Medina. Um, and then what happened was that as Islam established itself and the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had a much larger following. And, you know, he had many people w- with him. He was when he returned to Mecca. 
you know, the, the people of Mecca thought, ah, you know, he's returned as a victorious ruler now. Mm-hmm. You know, and they feared that there would be retribution, punishment, uh, revenge for the persecution that they'd heaped upon him and his followers for so, so many years. But the narration that we're told is that when he, you know, when he entered Mecca as a victorious leader, first we're told that he entered not, you know, with any pomp or circumstance, but his head was bowed down to the point where his chin touched his chest in humility. And he stated that there would be no retribution, you know, would be sought of any kind for all of the years of persecution. And in that act, you saw, you know, that's an establishment, a a wonderful way of establishing peace, because as we've seen, and as His Holiness has spoken about before, until you break that chain of persecution, you know, someone has to at some point say, I forgive. Mm -hmm. Because if you carry on revenge and you carry on down this uh, this path of well i've been wrong so i'm going to wrong you back which is within people's rights unless someone says no actually i'm going to forgive and i'm going to move on and i'm going to you know rise above this you will never have peace but in that example the holy prophet peace be upon him in that area of, of mecca at least established peace and there was no retribution for any of the people in mecca yeah i don't know if this was at the time of the victory of mecca but i remember a story where his Holiness asked in public, is, if I've done any wrong to anyone. Uh, Holy Prophet, yeah, peace be upon him. Yeah. yeah, Holy Prophet said to the, the audience in front of him, if I've done anyone any wrong, then please come and take take your revenge on me now. And one person stood up and said, yes, one time you elbowed me on the side or you hit me on the side. Uh, and so the Holy Prophet said, okay, fair enough, come up and, and take your revenge. And uh, this this person went up and everybody was like, oh my gosh, this person's actually going to take revenge on the Prophet, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of God be upon him, who everybody around around him loved. And was like, how can this person even do this? So the Holy Prophet raised his shirt and said, go ahead and take your revenge exactly where I hit you. You can hit me back. And uh, the, the person ended up leaning down and, and kissing the Prophet um, on on his side. Uh, and instead of taking revenge, uh, so the whole story was flipped almost, and everybody who was almost spiteful at this person for for wanting to take revenge uh, got the opportunity to kiss the holy prophet on his side, and and then they were all envious of this person. But my point in sharing this story is that you know the holy prophet was was at that caliber that if somebody wanted to take revenge on him, he was ready to stand and and have that revenge taken but when it came time for him to take revenge he said no revenge will be taken and that was the level of of a human being that he got to where he was at the level where he was above and beyond anything that we had ever seen before and just uh, like it's just an amazing story yeah absolutely thank you for sharing that one yeah i remember that one as well yeah and um in the one key principle that His Holiness uh, referred to several times in terms of this um, overall address where he first spoke about, you know, the need for peace being established, but then talked about the risk of it being selfish. If you just, if your intention is just about looking after yourself and wanting peace for yourself, he came back multiple times to, you know, the need for the belief in the unity of God. And I just want to, uh, you know, as we get towards uh, the end of the show, I wanted to just uh, read a, a section from here. So, his Holiness, in the speech of the uh, August 2022 this year in uh, Germany, the concluding address of the three-day convention, he says, Undoubtedly, peace can never be established without establishing 
perfect belief in the unity of God. I have explained this already. Certainly one must come to believe in the higher power and the higher power being Allah the Almighty and one cannot instill this belief without the belief in the unity of God. If belief in God's oneness is not formed, then conflict and discord will continue. Discord will end when brotherhood is formed, when mutual love and affection is established and brotherhood is achieved. Peace can never be established until true brotherhood instills into the hearts of people. True brotherhood cannot be formed without belief in the oneness of God. It is not the case uh, merely of believing. Rather, one has to form a connection with him. And we have received the teachings as well through the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. So he goes on, you know, the speech goes on, but that section they're highlighting that you know the unity of God, that belief in the unity of God is the key principle which then puts things in context, which talks about how you know we understand that there's one supreme being. That is what gives us the context and that's what gives us that higher thinking and allows us to you know turn to the whole world you know, with mercy and all of the creation of God with mercy and try and understand that in order to establish peace, we all need to play our part and this needs to be something done across all peoples and that that is the will of God as well. That's what God wants from us as well. Yeah, when you mention brotherhood, every time that word comes up, it's almost a reflection of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community worldwide. And as you're reading that passage there, as soon as you said the word, word brotherhood, I thought of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Youth Association or the Ahmadiyya Muslim Elders Association or the Ahmadiyya Muslim Women's Association or the whole community in general. You know, it is, and you look at an annual convention of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community and you have total strangers coming together, but there is no animosity between people. Uh, they can be total strangers, yet they will... In normal times, pre-COVID, you, <laughs> you would hug uh, and embrace one another. And even if you didn't speak speak the language that the other person was speaking, so I would walk up. I could walk up to an Indonesian, yeah. not even know his name, not even know how to communicate with him, but I could communicate with him through a warm embrace, and uh, we would be like we would be like brothers. And you see this time and time again in all of the annual conventions of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And the, and the best thing about it is, aside from the conventions, is that as an Ahmadi Muslim, you can go anywhere in the world and wherever there's a community of Ahmadi Muslims and they will accept you and take you in and, and host you and feed you and give you a place to stay. Uh, it's almost like you have a a five-star hotel in 210 countries of the world uh, that you can go to. So this is the, the almost the, the apex of brotherhood. If you want to see brotherhood or sisterhood on display, go to any Ahmadiyya Muslim community, mosque, mission house, or convention, and you can live it and you can breathe it and you can experience it. And it's, and it's all because of exactly what His Holiness has talked about in this address that he delivered at the annual convention, uh, the concluding session of the annual convention of the uh, Jalsa in Germany, uh, where His Holiness said it's about you know true brotherhood and the belief in the oneness of God. So that is exactly uh, what the Ahmadiyya Muslim community strives to bring to the world today. 
And I think, and it's to be clear as well, the reason that's what we strive for, you know, that's the Islamic teaching we have, but that's the constant reminder we get from our leader as well. You know, this is what he instructs his people to do. And Sufyan, I don't know if you saw the uh, the little mini documentary, but there was an incident where um, at the annual convention in the UK, there was some um, protests outside, yeah. some Christian protests uh, about, you know, the um, about the event taking place. And, you know, when His Holiness... Uh, was instructed or was sorry was informed about these people protesting outside you know the instruction was that they should be brought in they should be shown around the convention and they should be treated well and you know now that they, it led to a very very fruitful dialogue with that mm. group rather than any animosity if i'm not mistaken that was also a review of religions documentary they also have a youtube channel and and it was uh, it was put out by the review of religions if i'm not mistaken but yeah that was a a great example in the modern day of you know protesters you'd think that you'd just kind of shoot try to shoot them away or get them out but his holiness invited them in and fed them and he even told the people that asked asked his advice what what should we do his holiness was like bring them in let's feed them yeah yeah exactly and uh, they had some good conversations as well in terms of the the different you know we were able to uh, introduce them to other christian uh, former christians who had embraced islam or we were in a really good position to talk to them and and teach them Thank you very much, Sufyan. So today, as we conclude on the uh, Pathway to Peace show here on The Voice of Islam Radio, we've been looking at the closing address of His Holiness, the fifth caliph, Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmed, may Allah strengthen his hand, on the occasion of the annual convention in Germany. This is a three-day convention, and the address we're looking at was uh, delivered on the final day of the convention, the concluding address, where he provided a unique perspective on the only way to establish lasting peace in the world today. His Holiness explained the dangerous situation in the world today. He expressed how focusing on wanting peace for yourself, your own household, or just your own nation is a selfish desire that can actually cause more harm than good. He expounded how accepting God as the Lord of all the worlds was a crucial step along with the principle of peace, which is wanting for others what you wish for yourself. Finally, I'd encourage our listeners to read the summary of this speech available on the Review of Religions website, that's www.reviewofreligions.org, under the title The Holy Prophet, Peace Be Upon Him, and World Peace. From the entire Pathway to Peace team, and uh, thank you for listening to the Pathway to Peace show here on The Voice of Islam Radio. Until next time, for Sufyan Faruqi, this is Arif Khan saying, Assalamu alaikum, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. <laughs>